you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious. Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Welcome back, everyone. I am thrilled to be joined today by Jenny Blake. It is such a joy for me to have Jenny on the show. And before I welcome her, let me just introduce you to Jenny Blake. Jenny is an author, podcaster, and keynote speaker who loves helping business owners move from fiction to flow through smarter systems powered by delightfully tiny teams. Her third book, Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, Love Your Business, launches on March 22nd, 2022. And we're going to talk more about that book today. But I also have to mention Jenny's previous book, Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One, which won the Axiom Award for Best Business Book in the Careers category in 2016. And she has licensing clients for her Pivot programs, um, such as Google and Chanel. And if you are going through a career transition or looking to make a change, Pivot is a fabulous book to pick up and have as your guide. And to accompany each of those books, Jenny hosts two podcasts with over 1 million downloads combined, Free Time for Heart-Based Business Owners and Pivot with Jenny Blake to help others who are navigating change. So Jenny, welcome to the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. Thank you so much, Kathy. I am honored to be here because I remember when this show was a glimmer in your eye and I, I heard the name and I just knew you were onto something and I've, I'm a long time listener myself. So thrilled to be a guest. Thank oh, you for having me. Thank you so much. And I was going to mention, you are always so generous, Jenny, in sharing your learning and your experiences and the book is, is that, but also I was going to say this podcast would not exist without Jenny and her heart of podcasting class. It really was my guide to getting this podcast off the ground. And I'm so grateful because it really is one of the things that I do that I, it is does bring me a lot of joy. And having you here um, is just like icing on the cake. It's so great. So first, Jenny, I want to say congratulations on the book and putting on paper all the insights you've gleaned over the last 10 years of running your business and sharing, I'm going to say, in what was the moment community and now is the BFF community, which I encourage people to check out. And I'll just say I am a part of. Um, <laughs> and it's just been so great to watch from a distance this book come to life. Um, it's just it's been very inspiring uh, to me. And I'm just thrilled to talk to you about it today because really being a part of your community being able to learn from you has really helped me in progressing my business and me finding more free time. Thank you, Kathy. I mean, I also have to say thank you right back because your the community is what gave me the courage to ever write and think and talk about business building. I've I know you talk about imposter syndrome sometimes, but for so long I didn't give myself permission to go all in, go all in in this arena. I just had this private little safe space community corner of the internet, and you were a huge part of that. Still are. 
And you all gave me the courage and gave me the playground and the feedback to think about these topics week after week over the community has been in place six years now. But finally having free time come out is really, I think, a celebration of our, of our crew because it's where all the ideas started and where they were tested and who they were originally for. So big thanks right back. Oh, that's so great. And that's it's so interesting, Jenny, because that's what I was going to start with, actually. And you kind of alluded to this was, well, not this. You just gave a signal to what I was going to ask you about, because before we dive into the book, I was I was going to just say as a frame, one of the things that I've always appreciated about you is how you have conviction around doing things a different way. And some may see them as a con- as contrarian views. And I might say that you define success on your own terms, which is one of the things we talk about here with sustainable ambition. I mean, and so you are willing to say things can be done differently and, you know, you're not just going to take the common ways of doing business. You take the smart things, the things that really make sense to you. And you're like, Ooh, okay, somebody learned this. I'm going to apply that to my own business, but then you're willing to shape it even through terminology or how you come about crafting your business to do it a different way. And I was curious, that really takes courage to do that. And it comes up a lot on this podcast, this idea of stepping off the normal path. It takes courage to do that. And I was curious where you find the courage to do that and to step off the traditional path. So you said, well, the the community gave you the courage to write this book, but are there other ways that you kind of go to find that courage to kind of do things your way? Thank you. I mean, I love that you're calling it courage and conviction because sometimes I just think of myself as a cranky curmudgeon. So the flip side of courage and conviction is I'm just a grump and I get cranky about the way things are done. Or honestly, I mean, you talk about burnout, all the shoulds about how we should run a business and should market. And the, like, as you said, the language, the strategies, the tactics, when that stuff doesn't resonate, I either try it and I get very frustrated or burnt out or it just doesn't stick at all. And life's too short. Running a business is hard enough. The stress and pressure that business owners deal with on a day-to-day baseline basis, even when things are going well, is too much to do anything we don't want. Anything, I really do believe that if we don't at least hold a hope that things can be joyful and easeful, they won't be. Enough people talk about business as a grind and a struggle and a hustle that, that just doesn't work for me. It's not motivating. It's not energizing. And I say in the new book, time is not money. Time is life force. Even this notion that time is money. If we're always just trading, it's like we become units of measurement that I don't think is very kind to how we actually operate, nor is it as conducive to creativity. So I guess to come full circle, part of my courage and conviction comes from commitment to creativity. And I know Mm. that if I don't honor that, nothing I produce will be any good. None of it will resonate. None of it will stick. Mm, I love that. And it's something that really resonates with me because as I've been doing my own creative work, I've been noticing how much more I crave that time and that I need that free time to really, as you say, do my best work. And so it's interesting that that's what that is for you is that you go to that. And I want to come back to because it's so funny to me whenever you mention that you're cranky and a curmudgeon because it's so not Jenny Blake. I mean, we know Jenny <laughs> is just this so generous and um, joyful person. And yet for me, I take it Jenny is like when you are cranky or curmudgeon maybe it's it's a signal. It's 
it's a signal that something is off. And it almost, um, I go back to like, it's those times when we're getting frustrated that often our boundaries are getting crossed. And I'm, I'm curious if that's true for you and if that's how you see it. That is true. I mean, thank you, Kathy. <laughs> yeah, maybe I just honor my inner, I don't know why the idea of cookie monster comes to mind. I am a cookie monster as well. But like, there's an inner me that's just like, who knows? The, what's coming to mind as you're saying this, there was a moment pre-pivot that led to pivot where I had shifted. My first book was Life After College. And I, I, on, I just could not imagine talking about this the rest of my career. I really wanted to move on. I was secretly, I was ready to move on from the subject matter before the book even came out. But I thought, okay, see it through, get to the finish line, market it. So I created this site under my own name, jennyblake.me. And then a year in that crankiness started because I thought, oh, I felt the pressure of the whole business revolved around my name, around me, around who I was and what I looked like. And this shift that that site launched in 2013, 2014, it was before the word influencer existed. And I already couldn't stand that level of spotlight. And I couldn't stand being the bottleneck in the business. And I got really cranky, if you will, or just at least having a crisis of confidence of I've got to remove myself again. I can't, I cannot have this business revolve around me, the person and my life. That's not going to work. And so as I started ideating what would become pivot that I got the book deal in 2014, I really realized in the future, I, I want my business and my brand to revolve around the ideas. I want somebody to buy the books because the ideas are helpful. Or as you enrolled in heart of podcasting, because you're trying to do something not because of what I'm posting online or what I look like or how shiny my hair is or how like how many outfits I can dance around on my website. I've done all that stuff, but it doesn't motivate me anymore. And so I make a point now with, with every book, every project that the ideas are really front and center. So you're right. The crankiness comes in and that I take that as a learning moment of where I need to shift. Yeah, what I really love about that, and I, this starts to get to one of the things I really appreciate the, about the book, and I'd love to have you talk more about free time and also high net freedom, because one of the things that I've learned over the last couple of years, both as a part of your community, also being inspired by what you do, and even what exactly what you're just describing, Jenny, which is, it's really, it, as you start to go out on your own, as people start to think about like, hey, I want to leave corporate world, I want to go out on my own, or I'm a, I'm a business owner, and there's there is so much messaging out there around this is the way to build a business. You know, this is how you build a digital business, sell a course, do this, do that. You must be on social media. You must do that. And one of the things that I've really learned over the last two years and is and has come kind of full center for me is, you know what? Stop. I need to find a business model that aligns with who I am and what works for me, as opposed to kind of taking off the shelf, the business model that's just like du jour, the, like what everyone's talking about today. And that's a bit of what I hear you saying, like, hey, tuning into myself, recognizing like that last example, like this doesn't feel good to me. I'm going to craft something a different way. Yes. I mean, and those shoulds come in all the time. I... I was early on Twitter, started in 2008, and then I realized, okay, I'm not into this anymore. It's draining me. Instagram, I never really got into because I'm not that visual of a person, but I would notice that I felt drained when I would close the app. I felt I had such compare and despair. And I thought, do I want to have this as a personal development area and like really 
grind through a growth process of trying not to get jealous and feel terrible every time I close my phone. No, thanks. Like I'll grow in other ways. I just didn't want to apply my energy to Instagram. And then even now when I'm launching this third book, people are like, oh, have you thought about TikTok? And it, everybody's well-intentioned. One of my little gremlins, cause I have a, two podcasts as well is, well, I see people record via video and they release it to YouTube. But I will tell you, Kathy, the second that I think podcasts are video oriented, I'm done. I won't show up. There will be so much friction. I'm going to start to worry. How's the lighting? How's my room? Is it clean enough? How's my hair? How's my makeup? Oh my God. What a nat- What a nightmare. I just won't do it. So par- part of it is that a lot of these, I call them sailing the sea of shiny shoulds. A lot of these shiny shoulds are shiny, but that if we put too many of them on ourselves, on our plate, nothing will happen at all. If I had been on every social channel these last few years, I don't know that I would have written a book. My attention would be scattered. I'd be worrying about comments and replying and inboxes. And I just don't believe that because another platform gets invented, I need to go jump and be part of it. Even if LinkedIn, for example, is highly relevant to the corporate work that I do, but I don't like building in a distracted way across so many platforms and inboxes and comment threads. I'll go insane. (laughs) I will stop creating altogether. So I would rather be the cranky curmudgeon, loving, loving curmudgeon that I am and create something big and meaty like a book and let that speak for itself. Even if it means I'm quote, sacrificing platform size, because I, I, what's the point of having a bigger platform if my energy is so drained that I can't even serve that audience well? I just don't see the point. So in this case, yes, I think less is more because I can give more to, to people like you and everyone in our community. And Small and Mighty, weirdly enough, has always worked for me. It's never held me back from writing the next book or launching the next book. Um, in this case, with the third one, maybe it did prevent me from getting a book deal with a traditional publisher, but I didn't. I realized I didn't even want one. So, so I think these choices, we worry so much about the negative consequences without actually seeing that the, the biggest negative consequence of all is draining our very life force and our unique gifts. That's what I'm unwilling to sacrifice. Mm, so important. Well, and it's that's a good transition. I do want to come back to the book. So the book is called Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, Love Your Business. And it really follows a lot of these themes that we've already been talking about, Jenny. But I'd love to just have you tell us a little bit more. Like, what do you mean by free time? Because it has a different couple of different meetings. And then if you can to also talk about what do you mean by high net freedom? Yes, well, we've all heard the term high net worth people who've accumulated a lot of financial resources. In Pivot, I I say that I wrote that book for those who are high net growth, where learning and growing and stretching is so important. And that if you feel you're bored at a plateau, that's actually the worst feeling of all. With free time, high net freedom, this is for entrepreneurs and creatives who value spaciousness and time and the freedom, not just freedom in our calendar, but freedom to create what is in our hearts to create. So high net freedom means that we might make choices about our business, like the ones I've been describing, where we are leaving perceived money on the table, even though I agree, I don't believe there's always a linear correlation and I have an abundance mindset about it all, but we might make choices that prioritize freedom over money and more is not more. 
we would reject the growth at all costs mindset. We are not as obsessed with the numbers and the data because we're also looking at qualitative factors like how we feel and the impact that we're making. So high net freedom, and that ties into free time, which is, yes, a play on words. Free time is, of course, what we have when we're not working. It's also a verb and a call to action and a continual process. So how do we continue to free time and build those muscles of learning how to free time through smarter systems and delightfully tiny teams so that we can do more of our best work and be truly present in our time off? Because I I don't want to, I think probably a mistake I made in the book itself is that I only say, oh, how do we free time to do more of our best work? And of course, life is about so much more than working. But I also find that the person I'm writing this for does feel bored or bottlenecked or burnt out or buried by bureaucracy. I call those the burdensome bees. And that so many of us are desperate to free up more time to do the big, meaningful work and our legacy work and our projects that we can die happy knowing we release things out into the world with our unique stamp on them. And that's what I feel so passionate about is like setting us all free from the minutia and the busy work and the stuff that we hate so we can do what we really truly feel called to do. Yeah. I think why this so resonates with me and why I think it's so powerful and important for so many people out there is that I know for me, I was re-listening to the book recently, Jenny. So I was reading it and I was also listening to it. Um, And it really clicked again. And obviously it's not like these concepts are new to me completely because I've been a part of your community and I, I listened to your podcast and what have you, but it was just, it clicked, I think, because I was having, as you say, using your word, I was having some gremlins, right? What are you doing, Kathy? These, you know, kind of the shoulds of success, And listening to, you know, this idea of high net freedom, I really just hearing it again from you, it struck me in in that moment as I was listening to the book, like, that is why, Kathy. And it gave me that permission, and you use that word, and I want to come back to that, to kind of say, I am defining success on my own terms. I am building a business different than how others might be thinking of building a business. For example, like I knew I didn't want it when I... I played with building, you know, I I shouldn't say I played, I tested out a business proposition a few years ago. And one of the things I knew was that I didn't want to go get VC funding and, you know, having a business degree, having, you know, living in Silicon Valley, that seems so off, right? But it, I just knew I didn't want that kind of construct in how I was running a business. I didn't want that pressure. I didn't want to be accountable to people. I wanted to have more choices. And I think listening to you and having um, some other models around me has given me that permission to kind of say, I am choosing what's right for me. And I think I'll pause in just one second. Like the reason why I think this is so important for even my listeners and, and what you're espousing is that there are a lot of people who listen who are like, I think I want to leave corporate. I want to go out on my own. And then they do. And then what what happens is they end up, just as you talk about using your language, Jenny, they're in friction versus in flow. And they end up getting really busy. And they're like, wait, I thought I was going for flexibility and freedom. And all of a sudden, I'm actually now really weighed down. And I think the fact that you, you know, talk about this idea of how do we set up systems to get out of that stress, in addition, because I think you go beyond systems in this book, Jenny. (laughs) But I'm kind of, I know I'm saying a lot here, but 
I guess I'll, I'll come back to you just to kind of say, like, if people are going out on their own, you know, where should they start with some of the work or the materials and the concepts that you're presenting? Oh, there's so much good stuff in what you just said. I also learned from you. I loved how you framed this idea of sustainable ambition. And something that really stuck out to me was you saying, we get to choose how ambitious we want to be at different stages of our life. And we don't have to have our foot all the way pressed on the gas at all times. Even if that might've worked in our twenties or our thirties, like we can toggle that in at different times. And that was so powerful to me of designing how ambitious at any given time and doing that purposefully, not just by default and unconsciously. And then what you also really, I think helped our community understand was dropping the guilt of the times in our life where we can't be as ambitious or we're being ambitious in the, on the home front or on the relationship front, not just at work. So I, I just love your concept of that and how that fits with high net freedom. Because as you mentioned, this theme of permission, I don't think anybody here listening would be here if they didn't have ambitions. You know, if they weren't, if they weren't, I don't think any of us struggle with kind of big dreams. What we struggle with is that sometimes when you go all out for those dreams, you burn out. So how do we pull back. And I think a lot of your listeners do are very successful and could be successful at anything, working in a big company, being entrepreneurial, even if they don't perceive themselves that way. And as you said, what can happen is that we, people leave the corporate environment, myself included, and we just repeat the same patterns and we become our own worst boss because we haven't addressed the underlying boundaries and what I call the inner time blueprint that, that in my case, I was raised with. I was running around with a full calendar since I was in elementary school as a latchkey kid running from back-to-back activities, always wondering where I needed to be by when. It was no friggin' surprise that as an adult and as an entrepreneur, I would say I wanted time freedom and then I would book myself out completely. And I'd look at my calendar and go, what happened here? I keep thinking I want spaciousness, but I keep recreating according to some old blueprint. So setting all these boundaries and parameters and time blocking and using tools like Calendly with buffer and that rigorousness allows me to create the space. And so I do feel that putting intentionality and structure and systems, even if some people don't love those words, is what creates the spaciousness. And that's how we can protect ourselves from ourselves. Like if I only give people a Calendly link to schedule... In the early days of doing that, I used to think people would be offended that I was not personally working with them. Everybody wins. It's so much more convenient for everybody. And then I protect myself from myself of steamrolling overtime parameters or buffer in between meetings and things like that. So now I've taken us on a tangent from your (laughs) question that you just asked, but... No, well, I threw a lot at you, but I was asking too, like, where should people, like if people are getting started with this and they are finding themselves kind of in this back, as you said, like, because in this idea of friction versus flow, where might they start? Like, where might they just as a, like an initial starting point, you know, it could be like, you're saying like, when are you getting chromogeny, you know, <laughs> or, but where might you point people? One big aha that I had early on is that no one person, even whether you you work in a company or you work for yourself, no one is trying to make you feel burnt out and exhausted. There's no one person, there's no burnout conspiracy committee that is like trying to run everyone into the ground. 
but the nature of the beast, the nature of the times that we're living in, of technology, of having 3 million inboxes across every different platform, not to mention text messages, is completely unsustainable. So one thing I think we are not acknowledging is that for all of us, who on earth signed up to have an email inbox, a text message inbox, a LinkedIn inbox, and every other friggin' inbox under the sun? Who can juggle all this? When is the work getting done? So one thing that was really important to me to understand was people don't know my, like, I need to create the calendar I want. And I say calendar because that's really where our free time starts. My favorite thing, this was a story I ended up putting in the book. I was almost done. I was almost turning the manuscript in to be final. And I had sent it out to early readers to endorse. So my endorsers, and one of them was my business attorney, Francine Love. She loved the book and she, you know, she wrote back, she gave me her blurb and then separately, I needed to schedule our monthly meeting. And I said, okay, I can't do Thursday. Can you do Friday? And she said, sorry, thanks to you. I now have founder Fridays blocked off and I don't do meetings on Fridays anymore. And I laughed. I laughed because here in a way I was being affected, but I was so happy for her that she blocked off all her Fridays. And I think that people start to get inspired by all each one of us individually leading by example. I don't know about you, but I love when someone has a fun autoresponder. My friend, Dave Crenshaw, who's in the book right around the holidays, he said, I'm on a December oasis with my family. Please email it, you know, sometime after January 5th. And I thought, oh, oasis, that sounds nice. Like, oh, a creative oasis. And so the more fun that each of us has and the more boundaries and parameters we put in place, then people know where to slot in. And I find that we respect that. The right people respect it and aren't offended or aren't put off by it at all. But if you don't have these in place, everyone will happily fill your calendar A to Z from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day of the week. And I also think it's perfectly okay to say no. I, I started early on saying no to coaching clients who would say, I work full time. Can we coach on nights or weekends? I just knew I wasn't going to have good energy for them at those times. I would resent it. I would not look forward to the calls. I would be exhausted. It wasn't going to be good for anyone. So early on, I started to say no to clients where at the time match wasn't going to be a fit. And I mean that in every sense of the word, like time and energy has to be joyful and easeful. And it need to, needed to fit my priorities first because otherwise there would be no business. Uh, you know, each of us, if you're a business owner, your health, your energy is an enormous asset for the business. And without you, if you, the owner are burnt out, exhausted, tired, nothing you create in the business is going to be as, as good. Not that you want to be the bottleneck, but your mind, your strategery, you know, is one of the best assets your business has. Yeah. What I love about what you're sharing, Jenny, and both of the last couple of responses is, you know, people often think that flexity and flexibility and freedom is hindered when you start to put structures and systems in place. And I believe it's the exact opposite. And that's what I kind of hear you saying, like putting the systems in place actually starts to create that freedom. And like you're saying, protecting you from yourself, setting boundaries also starts to create that freedom. And it's it feels counterintuitive, but it, it really is quite important. And it's funny because I think like people who like flexibility, 
I always say if people know Myers-Briggs, it tends to be P's like that, like don't structure me in and what have you. And yet I've worked with some P's where I'm kind of like, hey, actually, if you allow us to put some process and structures in place, it actually allows you to be more flexible. It gives us the spaciousness, as you're saying, because other things are operating more more consistently and they're not as burdensome, as you say. Like it gives you more spaciousness actually for some of that flexibility you're longing for. So I really, really love that. Um, one thing I wanted to come back to, Jenny, also, because you talk about this in the book a lot, is permissions. And I'm curious what inspired you to kind of really talk about this idea of giving us all permission. Yeah, I have to give a shout out to Marisol, who worked with me in my business for many years. She and I were listening back to podcast episodes saying, what is a common theme what I love about permission is that it's about dropping expectations and doing things differently. And that, as you said, the contrarian vibe kind of starts with permission to do things differently. And without that, that's where we fall into all those traps and shoulds and, and things. So I, I don't know what I love about the idea of a permission slip <laughs> and writing them and setting them to each other is it's really a way it's like a get out of jail free card. It's a way to say, whatever it is we want to hear or tell ourselves, sometimes when someone else says it, it just clicks differently. It's like recently to my newsletter, at the time well spent newsletter, I said, you have permission to archive the 10 oldest emails in your inbox. And it's like, well, maybe someone was sitting there like me, hovering over them, wondering when to write back. I did just write back to one, two years to the day late. <laughs> Um, but these little permissions, I think are very joyful because, and it goes with sustainable ambition because it's permission to drop things rather than keep adding more. And even a book like free time, yes, there's so much a person could do, but I also want them to remove as much and give themselves permission to drop as much as it is that they're going to do anything new. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I think it's so true. Just we do, it's, it's often it, either you need somebody else giving you that permission or that reminder that you can give yourself that permission to let certain things go or to do things differently. And don't you feel like people we both love and respect like Alexander Franzen, you just need to see one other person doing something and you go, aha, if they're doing it, then I can do it too. And whether it's you have permission to run errands on Wednesdays, you know, some like radical idea that would never work in a corporate job or somebody saying, yeah, I'm not on social media and my business has only grown and thrived since. And it's like, aha, just I only ever need to hear one person. And I feel less crazy because sometimes I don't know if the way that I'm thinking about something is just neurotic, you know, or like crazy, or I'm just being overly sensitive or, um, have some growth area that I'm not seeing in myself. And when I, when I hear it from someone else and that recognition and relief sets in, oh, it's the best feeling. And it gives me the courage to say, oh yeah, okay. I'm not crazy. And I'm going this way too. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, Jenny, you had an episode last year, or maybe it was the year before, actually. It was towards the end of the year, I think. And you were talking about surrender. And in listening to you, it gave me permission to surrender something that was so freeing. Talk about free time. But I mean, in freeing one's energy, it freed me so tremendously. And if I hadn't heard you say that, and given that permission and been a model of like, it's okay to surrender something, I don't know that I would have done it. So I, and I needed to hear that 
in that moment. And it was so perfect for me in that moment to do that. So you're right. I mean, having people model something is really, really helpful. And actually that that brings up for me something that I had wanted to ask you about too, because one of the many things, Jenny, that impresses me about you is that you have been willing to pause at multiple junctures in your career and building of your business to, I don't know, I'm giving it this language, so you might give it different language, but I'm kind of saying to either reset or give yourself the time and space for your, like you said, for your creative work and to really build what's next. And I think that's really hard to do. And to, again, it requires some amount of giving oneself permission. And I'm asking about this because I, I can imagine people listening um, who are going through transition times where they don't think they can pause. And yet I think it's often, even myself, you know, I just took two weeks for a creative sabbatical um, where I was doing personal creative work, but it took me probably I'll admit like a year to finally carve out those two weeks to do that. And so How do you go about, again, giving yourself that permission and to find, find, again, it comes back to that courage to kind of allow yourself to pause and and invest the time that you feel you need for whatever's next? I appreciate you saying that. And some of the pauses have been intentional and purposeful and permissions, and some of them have been necessity. So there have been times where I was going through so much that I couldn't help but pause. And let's say in my case, that meant stop sending my weekly newsletter out and stop producing new podcast episodes. And it was almost like just survival mode. And I started building an online platform in 2005. So it's been 16 years. And over the arc of that, yes, I've been consistent and what I call doing my ongoing public original thinking in some form or another for 16 years. But unlike some people I know, I'm not one of those that's like, I've never missed a podcast episode. I have a friend, Mitch Joel, who's published every single Sunday for like a decade, if not 13 years, some insane streak that I admire so much. And that's just not me. I have had periods where I've missed six months in a row with no explanation but I just get back on the horse and I keep going. Like when the new creative horse is there, (laughs) I get back on and I keep going. And I, I try not to overly dwell or I'll apologize, but then I just try to be transparent and explain, well, what was I doing the last six months? Like one of my big pauses, I had gotten married, bought a house, was in seminary school and my business started taking off. And I just couldn't do it all. I couldn't. And sometimes it's emotional. I cannot emotionally extrovert (laughs) by sending newsletters in the midst of all that change and and personal transformation. And then when I'm ready, I just say, okay, hey, I'm back. And whoever's still here, that's great. And I just try not to worry too much about who's going to leave. I figure everyone's so busy. Who's going to like go search for a newsletter they haven't received in three months just to go unsubscribe or a podcast. And so- I try to remind myself it's not the end of the world. And with what's been so interesting with free time and this journey, similar to what you said, Kathy, this is the first time in 11 years that I gave myself permission not to be profitable. I have had a lot of financial security focus my whole life. I've been earning money since I was 11, starting with a little babysitting business. And there was not a single moment in my life that I did not always have a way that I was earning money and making having a side hustle on top of a full-time job. 
until this last year, post pandemic, like post the year of the pandemic of 2020. And I said, for the first time in my life, in my working adult life, I give myself permission to spend more than I earn. That was so radical. But what that meant was I was not hustling, drumming up speaking gigs and workshops. A lot of them got canceled. I was not taking on -on one-on-one clients. I scaled way back of anything income earning. I did not relaunch Heart of Podcasting. I did not do a big promo for the private community. I gave myself permission to just spend and, and go in the red and spend more than I've spent in my whole life. And that's very nerve wracking, but this is another one of those moments where I guess I was just got curious of what would be possible if I had full focus and I could implement and execute a full creative vision. I just want to know what I'm capable of. I want to know that I've tried it at least once. And if I go broke in the process, then at least I know that I tried. And I honestly, at the time of this recording, I have no clue how it's going to shake out. I'm down to my very last dollars without really cashing out some long-term retirement stuff. And, uh, and yet as scary and terrifying as it is, it, the the thing I say in pivot, is just that fear of not trying. I just truly, I just want to know that I tried. And I think, you know, in the entrepreneurial press, moves like this, if it works, like, oh, the book, it becomes a huge success and it sells all these copies. Like, then I'll look so brilliant. I'll look so brilliant and strategic, but if it doesn't work and instead I've just spent myself into the ground, I mean, then I'll just look like really stupid. And you could say, oh God, you over-invested. You didn't launch in a lean way. You didn't launch an iterate. You put so much money in. It's a book. A book is not a business. Like there's just as much negative stuff I could say about my choices right now. And so it's right at that precipice of like, it's either so stupid or it's brilliant, but F it, who cares? Let's like give it a shot. Well, and you talk about this in the book where into what, you know, what I hear you saying, Jenny, too, is like you're following your intuition to a large, to some degree, right? And yet I also believe that intuition is very data-based, right? You take in a lot of data and then you're following your intuition and what it's saying to you. And your intuition is telling you, I want to go all in here. And especially during this time coming out of the pandemic, you know, you really saw a need for people around both a lot of people are going out on their own, right? There's a huge group of people that are saying, you know what, I want to do things differently. They are looking for that freedom and that flexibility. And again, it's very easy, you know, (laughs) we're both a testament to it where, you know, for those of us that are passionate and really are creative people and generative people, it's very easy to get overextended and to get overstretched. And so, you know, because it's interesting, Jenny, I was going to say, like, some people might like read the book and kind of think like, oh, she's, she's actually not overly ambitious. I'm like, no, there are times you were just describing, you were in seminary school, your business was taking off. Like you had a lot of things going on. And I think what I hear you say is like, you're conscientious of that. And you start to prune and focus your attention where it makes sense to to put it. And what I really think is, is beautiful about free time and what you're proposing, it really is so complementary to sustainable ambition, which is like, I kind of taught, I've started to talk about this idea of like, 
Okay, if you're going to stretch and strive like so many of us want to do, you will do yourself a disservice if you are not also being conscientious and thoughtful about how are you going to sustain yourself as you do that. So I feel like that's what you're doing is giving a lot of us who are out on our own like a roadmap and a toolkit. And it, uh, there's so many things we didn't even get a chance to cover, Jenny, um, that are brilliant in the book and give people permission to do things differently and, and to come at things a different way to sustain themselves. Yeah, I love I love what you just said. And I know we'll have to do another round so we talk about the rest of the stuff. But, uh, you know, one simple example of this is I finally gave myself permission to hire a weekly cleaning service, same day and time every week recurring. And in the past, I think I used to tell myself, oh, I'll get to it. Or once a month is plenty, but now there's a husband and a dog and I'm doing all this and taking all these big creative risks. It's like, I can't, I can't stand it anymore. So one of my self-care is like spending the money and putting it on an automatic weekly recurring instead of, I was always texting one off with different cleaners who can come. Oh my God, what a nightmare. So I think that's one practical example that not, not even enough of us talk about on business podcasts or business related topics, which is like, what are you doing at home? And, and so many of, I've talked about this recently, like so many of the business authors I know are men and they have wives at home that are taking, taking care of everything or organizing all the different team people that it takes on the home front, on the personal front. So a lot of these principles and what you said, the self-care to sustain the ambitious parts, they take problem solving and the home challenges have mystified me as much, if not more than the business ones there, but they're all part of this equation of where do we want to be ambitious? I don't want to be ambitious with washing the bedding. I can't bring and stand it. Any bit of it can't stand stripping the bed, running the four loads or making the bed afterward. So got to solve that one. And it's like as big and annoying as a pro of a problem to me as like writing book launch emails, you know, <laughs> it's like, so I think my hope is to inspire all of us to really be creative across every area of our, of our life so that we're ambitious where we want to be and totally streamlined and outsourced where we don't want to be. Mm, makes a ton of sense. Well, Jenny, and I don't have it all figured out. I then let's like, <laughs> let's put that out there. It is always a work in progress because our lives change and evolve. And I, you know, two years ago, I didn't have a dog, so I didn't have to figure out all these new intricacies of caring for another little furry friend. I totally agree, Jenny. And I've just started to write about that where it's like, you know, we have to kind of continually come back to what is our, I talk about life plus work resilience prescription and what is that and how does that change over time? Because we change and our lives change. So Jenny, I could talk to you for a long time, as you know. And so <laughs> I just thank you so much for coming on. I'd love to just ask this final question, which is what's a final permission you might leave our listeners with? Oh my goodness. This question turned back permission to follow your heart, that there is something within you, even as you listen to this conversation that is whispering. And as Oprah says, like your life is speaking to you. Are you listening? And I do think that our hearts, we have a heart's desire. And I don't know about you, Kathy, but something I struggle with is people pleasing and thinking about what everyone else wants and how to serve everyone else in my life, including the community. And listening to 
each of our own heart's desire into you have permission to follow your heart and to go with what your heart wants, even if you don't have all the logic worked out yet on paper about why it might make sense or how you're going to make it work to just say it out loud and follow your heart. Mm, I love that, Jenny. Thank you. You heard it, everyone. You have permission from Jenny to follow your heart. Um, Jenny, what can we do for you and where can people find more about the book? Yay. Well, thank you for asking and everybody for being here listening. If you pre-order the hardcover, you can get early audiobook access that Kathy was mentioning, and you can gift audiobook access to a friend. So you can learn more about that at itsfreetime.com slash book. You just submit your proof of purchase and you'll get early access to the audiobook. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, look up free time with Jenny Blake and you'll find the free time show with lots of episodes on these types of topics. Yes. Wonderful. And of course, I'll capture all of that in the show notes. Jenny, thank you so much. You're one of my favorite people to be in conversation with and be in community with. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. Likewise. Thank you so much, Kathy. And I guess I should mention it's freetime.com slash BFF. If you want to join us, they're incredible, brilliant, generous people, just like Kathy. And I'm so thankful for you too. I loved all these questions and the thoughtful conversation. It's, it's really such an honor to have the book out of my head and in the world and then have you engaged with the material so deeply. It just means the world to me. So thank you, Kathy. And thanks uh, again, everybody for being here. Yes. And thank you for, again, for writing it, Jenny, and giving us all permission to do things a different way and to find free time for ourselves. So thank you again. I love it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.